Today is Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Mike Pence talks about how Pat Robertson influenced his life. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share with a friend. You can email us as well. We'd love to, we'd love to read that. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We love hearing from you. Joining me now, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell on this mini Monday. What's up, fellas? How's it going? I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready. This has already been a busy week, and it's only Tuesday. Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Man. Lot going on. Bill, uh, Billy, already, yeah, go ahead. We're already five days into the week, and it's Tuesday. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like sometimes. But you know, something that I think we should acknowledge for everybody Uh-oh. is that when y'all hear this podcast, when we hear this podcast at seven a.m., Billy has actually been up for five hours. Uh, it's already. true. Yeah, I've it lived the day already. I, you know yeah, what? Email already, me. Yeah. I want to know just what your wake up times are because you're listening to this podcast, and most just by the metrics, most people listen pretty early. What time you get up? I mean, this is, I think 4 a.m. is like, if your clock says 4, like that should be a no-go zone. You should yeah, just not be. It's the angel's hour. It's a it's wonderful not, hour to wake up. 5 o'clock. Quick start podcast at cbn.org. What's the right time to get up? And it's sure. nothing before 5 o'clock is, is an approved response. So anyway, we've got a lot, including this story with Al Mohler, uh, who you uh, spoke with recently. Yeah, we had a chance to sit down with him. We talked about, it was almost a 20-minute interview, everything from culture down to the Southern Baptist Convention and the biggest issues facing the church, so a lot of good stuff. Yep, and we're also going to hear on the main thing from a dad in Connecticut who's fed up with the public school for not informing him of Pride content. He took a he had a blunt response. We'll get to that and more uh, on the podcast today, but first we are going to get through the news here in 90 Seconds. And what is a lethal dose of fentanyl? That's just one of the many phone searches from Corey Richens, who's a Utah widow. You might have seen this story from last year. She she had killed her husband and then later authored a children's book about grief. And so the searches found on her iPhone includes phrases like, can cops force you to do a lie detector test? She also looked up luxury prisons for the rich in America. She also looked up death certificates as pending. Will life insurance still pay? And it goes on. There's more. But Corey Richens was denied bail yesterday ahead of her trial uh, for that killing. 48% of Americans think former President Donald Trump was rightfully charged in the classified documents case, while 35% don't think he should have been indicted. And another 17% reported feeling unsure about it. And 47% of Americans think the charges against Trump are politically motivated. ABC Ipsos conducted that poll. And former Vice President Mike Pence discussed the legacy of Pat Robertson. He said that it will impact generations of Americans. You can check out David Brody's full interview with Pence on CBNNews.com and the CBN News YouTube channel, which we have the link in the description of this podcast. Guys, before we get to um, the interview with Mike Pence, I I just have to comment on this woman here who killed her husband, allegedly poisoned him and is going on trial. You look at these searches on the phones and just stepping outside of the actions, which are horrible and reprehensible, obviously. 
What are people doing searching this stuff on their phones? I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, I, everyone I know. knows that this don't doesn't everyone know that what you search on your phone is ingrained forever in the um, IP address. Like they can look that up and look everything you've typed. I don't yeah. know. People well, don't get this, I guess. Now, you know, I'm of course not excusing the actions. I'm just baffled that people can be a this evil to do something like kill your husband, but B then be this dumb. I, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Am I the only one? Am I alone on this? No, I mean, talk about a trail of breadcrumbs. I mean, she's just like <laughs> right. going out and searching all these things. Not to make light of it, it's just bizarre to right. me. But I it's think sad, that, tragic, that- but but it is befuddling. Right. I mean, it sh- I think it shows what, you know, pending this is true, however this happened, it shows what evil looks like and, and how you're not thinking straight in these kinds of circumstances, clearly to do what was allegedly done. Luxury prisons in America, Trey. Luxury prisons. Is that a thing? I think that's probably my favorite part of the things that she looked up. Trey, have you ever searched that up? (laughs) So it's like she already knew, like in her thought process, I'm going to go to prison uh, for this. So let me see if I can somehow. Make it sweet. I don't know. What does she think? It's like a membership at the Hilton. Right. I get to pick. Right. I get to pick which prison I go to. I would like um, like a platinum membership so that I can get access to this one in particular i again i know this is not a funny story at it's all not. but it just shows how absolutely blinding that sin can be in our life right and that i would, you, yes like you just are, are completely unaware of of how poor your decisions are yeah when you get this far into into sinful decision making and all of us are susceptible to it obviously yeah. not most of us will never go this far praise god but right it's just what an extreme example of the the deadliness of sin right and i'd say it's greed here i guess and pride i mean I mean, think about that, like the level of greed that you've allowed to build in yourself to only be concerned about your living conditions in prison after you've killed your husband. Like that's that's just phenomenal. And you're right, Trey. I think it's absolutely uh, because of sin. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you, you have to. I mean, your heart kind of breaks for the kids in this situation oh, and just it's it's such a and you know the other thing is a, a situation like this when it's national news it's something that forever lives right there, there's so many layers to it outside of the horrific crime itself that i think make it so much more difficult for the family and the loved ones and we really should be praying for all those people affected because the attention mm-hmm. makes it 20 times worse yeah well, yeah, for the kids to always know now that everybody is going to know not only that their father is gone, but also that their mother is allegedly the one who killed him. I mean, yep. that's just the weight of just having that knowledge that everybody else also has that knowledge is, I'm sure, is crushing. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I want to, before we move over to the focus story here, mention the Mike Pence interview that is in the description and our own David Brody sat down with him and you could really see in Pence the just the authentic, it seemed, a connection he had to Pat Robertson talking about how he bought his book right after he graduated college and became a Christian and had initially wanted to get into Christian broadcasting and um, just said that Pat's life really influenced him and he was just, you know, really moved by the humble beginnings and how God worked through that and talked about how even though as he was kind of praising Pat, how if Pat were still here, he would still give glory to God. And uh, by all accounts, that's what 
pretty much everyone who's known Pat or dealt with Pat said that that's just the way he was. And you see that in reflected in CBN's reporting so many times just trying to point and give glory to God. So um, a, a really cool interview there. It's a it's a touching, touching interview, seeing the impact that somebody's life like Pat has had on so many people all the way up to you know somebody who served as vice president and is running for president. It's pretty incredible. Yep, absolutely. All right. We are going to head over to the focus story now and Dr. Albert Moeller, who is obviously a prominent theologian that uh, many of you are likely familiar with and president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He recently weighed in on the biggest issue that the church faces. What is it and what did he have to say? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we ask this question and we assume, oh, you know, a chaotic culture, an out-of-control culture, that's the biggest issue the church is facing. Uh, But he had a a really intriguing answer. He said the bottom line question of faithfulness. And he went on to say, he, he posed a question, is the church going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and stand by the entirety of biblical truth? He went on to say, everything else basically is derivative of that great challenge. And you can say that it's been the perpetual challenge of the church and will be until Jesus comes. And I thought that was such an interesting answer because it wasn't, again, looking outward. It was looking inward. Is the church going to be faithful, live out the gospel? Are Christians going to actually be Christians, regardless of what is going on in the culture around them? And then tying that to the fact that this is not something that's just new. It's something that has persisted and will continue to persist until Jesus comes back. That That's a powerful argument in my view. Yeah, it really is. And what did he have to say, if anything, about the Southern Baptist Convention, which is having their annual meeting this week? Yeah, the annual meeting in the Pastors Conference going on this week in New Orleans. You know, he, he talked about the different issues. Obviously, we've seen headlines about the sexual abuse scandals. We've seen um, a number of other, you know, infighting that's going on. Uh, but he talked about the fact that there's a, a real sort of array of issues. There are surface level issues and then some deeper issues. And he really feels as though we're in the deeper sort of issue section of disagreement right now, that those are going to be the big things that matter during this meeting. He said, particularly over women serving as pastors and how to approach these big cultural issues. How often do we speak about the cultural issues? How do we talk about them? But I think what we've seen in recent days, and you know, when he was commenting about this, it actually was right before a lot of this more recent Rick Warren um, stuff was coming out. Uh, but he was saying that that female pastor part, mm. you know, just so people understand, you know, this issue of female pastors, it's in the headlines right now. There are five churches that were essentially booted um, out of the SBC by the executive committee. Two of those churches, one of them, Rick Warren's Saddleback Church. Rick Warren is no longer pastor there. Uh, but that church and one other, they're appealing the decision to boot them out over female pastors. And so, um, you know, he talked a little bit about that. He didn't go too deep into that issue, but he just talked about those you know, focal points that are going to be popping up during the meetings this week. Mm. And for anybody listening, why? What would you say to those who say, "Why? Why should I care about the SBC gathering? Why does it matter?" You know, look, I, I'm a non-denominational Christian, so I've never really been part of a denomination. But the SBC is the biggest Protestant denomination in the country. It is massive, um, millions of members. You know, we're talking membership is well over 13 million. And regardless of whether it's diminished a little bit or not, it, it's a lot of people. And it's a major, major 
um, cultural force, so, you know, socio-cultural force in this country. And so we need to be paying attention to that. And also these issues, right? I mean, these are big issues of debate theologically about female leaders and all of that, um, many other issues that will come up during those meetings. And so it's important to kind of look at what's happening there so that we understand what's going on in the church, even if it's a microcosm or a portion of the church more broadly. Hmm. And what did he have to say about uh, balancing truth and love? Yeah, I thought I thought that this was interesting. Remember, he's talking about are we going to stand up and are we going to sort of live out um, our our faith? Basically, you know, he's saying that there's nothing we can do to make the world love us more. There's a lot of conversation about how do Christians make the world love us more? He's like, look, we we ought not be obnoxious. <laughs> I like that line. You know, we ought not be obnoxious, but we have to understand the world is not going to love us when we're standing by the gospel. Right. And I think that that's an important thing to remember because it is very easy to sort of trickle over into this world of everything I do, I have to do it so people love me. We're not yeah. told we're going to be loved by the world. No, right. Yeah, it's it's not... I need to be um, loved by the world. It needs to be, I need to relay this message in a loving way. But that a loving way doesn't mean appeasing the world so that the world loves me. I mean, that's not what it means at all. And I think a lot of people who kind of adopt this sort of winsome attitude, I need to tiptoe around and and not offend anyone. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Jesus didn't really appear too concerned about offending Pharisees and, and the uh, scribes of the day. He spoke truth absolutely unapologetically. And so I think we can do the same thing, but we do have to just do it in a way that is respectful and loving, but not compromising. Yeah. Well, I think the focus should be not on what we communicate because we shouldn't sacrifice what we're communicating. As you said, the truth is the truth and we have a responsibility to steward what we know from scripture to be true to the world. Uh, But we should focus on how we communicate it, right? There are times when we can communicate it a little bit more bluntly if that's what's needed. And then uh, a bit more compassionately, I think it's just a matter of being a competent communicator, right? You can't go to somebody who's completely in the world who has never been exposed to the true love of Christ and tell them you can't live this way because X, Y, and Z is is written in Scripture. They have no respect for Scripture or understanding of Scripture yet, so you need to, to, to meet them where they're at and lead them along in a way that's loving, but certainly is not at all compromising of truth because that if you're compromising truth, honestly, that's the most unloving thing you can do to a lost world, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Anything else, Billy, from uh, Al that you wanted to hit before we moved on? No, I mean, it's definitely worth watching the interview over on YouTube. You can see he talked about a lot of other things. We got into the, some of the LGBTQ issues and cultural issues. So it's it's worth watching the 18 minutes. It really is. Yeah, we'll add it to the description for sure so that you can easily find that. But I appreciate you bringing that one here on the podcast today, Billy. And that's going to head us over to the main thing now. And Connecticut dad, Kyle Reyes, he said he recently pulled his kids from the public school system and plans to homeschool them after elementary officials reportedly showed a pride theme video to students without informing the parents first. Well, Billy sat down with the frustrated father for today's main thing. So Kyle, you are out in Connecticut and you recently pulled your children out of a public school system there. What was it that led up to that decision? 
So there have been a lot of moves that have happened at the school level over the last couple of years. And, and this brother was really the straw that broke the camel's back. The latest incident was when the principal at the elementary school stood in front of a pride flag and forced all the students to watch a 45 second long video where students declared that, you know, if you're a boy, but you feel like a girl, you could be a girl or you could be a they or you could be whatever you want to be. Um, we have replaced education with indoctrination. And, and this has been getting worse and worse over the last couple of years. Th this honestly, arguably, wasn't even the worst thing that happened. This was just the final straw. Was So was this at an assembly the school held for pride? You know, you said that the principal was in front of a pride flag. They show this video. What was the context of why they were doing this? Morning announcements celebrating Pride Month. Um, and again, we're talking about a school that over the last couple of years has been reading our books, uh, reading our kids books about transgender crayons and racist white police officers and families of um, illegal immigrants that feel like they're being discriminated against. And the school has been working extraordinarily hard to hide all of this. Brother, my wife put it best when she said, if this was such a crucial and important topic that you had to talk to eight-year-olds about it, then why was it not so crucial that you had to alert the parents about it? So you were not contacted, the families were not, because a lot of times schools will reach out and say, we're gonna do this event, you can opt in or out. There was no communication? None, not only was there no communication, but when called out on it by the media afterwards, the principal essentially doubled down on it and made it very clear that they have no responsibility to tell parents about it. When parents started complaining about these books that were being read to the kids, the principal's response was, well, we haven't had other parents complain about it, to which everybody pointed out nobody knew about it. You didn't alert anybody. And her response was, well, we don't have to. Last well, it I seems checked, like they are complaining well. now, though. I mean, that, that's the interesting part. I mean, it seems like you and others, it's not just you are voicing concern about this now that you know about it. That's correct. And here's the thing. I didn't want to be in this fight. I didn't want to take this fight because I didn't want my kids to end up being discriminated against or retaliated against in the schools. With the, the work that I do, I already deal with enough haters, right? But now they've come after my kids and they've come after all of our kids. And here's the thing. We are in a red community. And so people who are in conservative communities tend to think this isn't happening in my school. This isn't happening in my town. It is happening right under our noses and nobody knew. And everybody's afraid to speak out about it because they're afraid that these schools will retaliate against their kids. They're afraid of like, I woke up this morning to death threats, threats of violence, promises to come after our kids. Uh, I'm being told that I'm a homophobe, a sexist, a racist, all because we are fighting to protect innocent children. You know, you, you, there's so many questions I have about this. You make this decision to take the kids out. That's a big decision. You have four kids, right? Under the age of nine. Is that accurate? Yep. Uh, eight, six, four, and two. And God's got a good sense of humor, man. He gave us four little girls. <laughs> Greatest blessing in the world. So you've got four little girls. It's a big decision. You know, there's a big debate about should you have your kids as a Christian in public schools or not? My kids are in public school, honestly, my two kids. Um, and we're constantly monitoring and looking to see sort of what's going on. Um, but but that's a big decision. What are you going to do with your kids now that you've taken them out of public school? Where will they go? So thank God my wife is a lot smarter than I am, uh, much more well-spoken. She's going to be homeschooling our girls. We plan on actually relocating my businesses to Florida and to be uh, moving for seven months out of the year down to Florida so that our kids are in a safer location. 
Um, and so it's not it's not a decision I take lightly. I was blessed to be with Sam Sorbo last week, and we were talking about the need to um, to take a very faith based approach to how we raise our children. And part of that, we have a a duty and a responsibility as parents to look out for the hearts and souls of our little kids as they are attacked in the spiritual warfare that's happening across the country. Uh, and I'll give you a great example. So we just found out two months ago from our eight year old that. Back during Thanksgiving, the teacher was reading the kids a book about the pilgrims. And there was a page in the book that said the pilgrims just wanted to be able to worship their God in the way that they chose appropriate, something to that effect. The teacher took out the word God so that nobody would be offended. We didn't find out about that from our kiddo until just a couple of months ago because these things are happening subliminally, subtly, quietly. And, And she told us about that months ago. What else is happening that we don't know about? What else are they forcing into the minds of our kids to confuse them and to change the narrative to to replace science and math and reading with social and emotional learning? They're literally swapping out lessons in in basic education for social and emotional learning. We are in some terrifying times. You know, a lot of parents, there, there is a debate, as I mentioned, among Christians, whether or not You know, look, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they have their kids in public school and they're monitoring like you guys clearly are to see what is going on. And then they might make a decision based on that. Some schools, this hasn't hit those schools yet. Others, obviously, it has. Um, Are you of a particular view when it comes to whether or not Christians should remove their kids from public schools definitively? Is it something we should sort of follow how we feel called by God on? What, What is your take on that particular question of should Christians have their kids in those schools? Man, brother, I think you and I <clears throat> could probably do a four-hour-long episode uh, having that conversation. I think it is a decision for the family. Listen, not every family is blessed to be in a financial position where they have a a parent who could stay home full time to teach the kids. Um, we're in some very difficult economic times. It's a very personal decision for the family, and my heart goes out to every family that's struggling to make that call right now because you're you're being forced to choose between how do I provide for my family to make sure that we could pay the mortgage, and how do I provide for for the hearts and souls of my child? How do I make sure that I give them the greatest opportunity to to know and love Christ as I can? by homeschooling them, perhaps. And so what's more important than your decision, whether or not you can afford to, or you're in a position to to take care of your kids at home and homeschool them, is how are we monitoring them? How are we getting in the fight? We launched AmericanDads.org to get parents in the fight, not just dads, but, but all parents to come sign a petition to declare basically that if you feel it's appropriate to talk about sexuality with a third grader, and you are not the parent of that child, then you don't belong anywhere near children. And so parents Parents have to get in the fight at the ground level here. And first and foremost, more important than anything, understand what's happening in the schools. Be educated about what's going on under your noses and what they are doing to your children. This is no longer a, well, it's not happening here. This is happening in your town. This is happening to your child. We don't have a choice anymore but to get in the fight. I don't want to take this fight. I don't want to be the spokesperson for this. But someone has to fight for our innocent kids. All right, Billy, appreciate you bringing that conversation there today on the main thing. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. And we are going to take a look at Ephesians 4.15, which says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And guys, just talking about what we were addressing earlier, and I think a lot of people leave off the first part of that verse, which is talking about not being carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by deceitful schemes. 
So false doctrines, right? We're supposed to be watching out for that. So exactly what we're saying. Don't compromise on the scripture, but do it in a loving manner. Yeah. And, you know, this idea that we get to sort of grow into becoming more mature in our faith when we live that out, I think that's really interesting. And it's such a lost art, you know, in today's culture, being able to find that balance. But to me, that's a that's a really deep calling. It's not just a nice platitude. We are called to do it and it's tied to our growth and maturity as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. I've referenced it before on the podcast. It's from Warren Wearsby. He said, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. So you can't sacrifice either one of them uh, in speaking the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Great spot to leave it here on this mini Monday podcast. As always, get yourself on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for more uh, news from a Christian perspective. We are thankful you are here. And getting through the news of the cray with us each and every weekday at 7 a.m. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We will return tomorrow. God bless. We'll see you then.